This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Spider pig, spider pig, does whatever a spider pig does. Can he swing from a web? No, he can't. He's a pig. Look out, he is a spider pig. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on today's show, we'll play the part of a Powerball winner. How would we invest a huge windfall? What would we buy? How much would we give to Doug? Oh, that's not in the script. It should be. To play the I'm suddenly a bajillionaire game, we welcome the woman with a bajillion fans from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. And it's the guy who'd build a better bunker under Los Angeles, Chip Gaines. Nah, who needs Chip Gaines when you've got a guy with better hair, Len Penzo. And finally, the man who already helps investors with millions, our very own OG. But that's not all. Halfway through today's discussion, we'll take a break to dive into our year-long trivia competition. And now, a guy who's ready to grab the reins and usher you into a more financially secure weekend, Joe Salcihai. Hey there, stackers, and happy weekend to you. We're going to make it even happier because we're going to go to a magical place where you imagine that you just won the Powerball. And let's... uh say hello to the gentleman who I must have won the the Powerball already because I get to podcast with him three days a week. It's Mr. OG. How are you, man? For the record, if the, and I already told Doug this, I've told everybody the first order of business is I'm changing my phone and it just, you just do, do, do. We're sorry. The number you've called is no longer in service. So if that, there will be a smoke trail behind OG. If on Wednesday you're like, "Hey, I got to call OG real fast," and you just get, you know, it's not that I didn't pay my AT&T bill; it's I changed my number and I'm I'm gone. I'm, you're not no longer on the stacking Benjamin. I show have retired. Anymore. I've retired. I not will sell all. all my shares. God, we could finally get rid of that deadbeat. That's so hurtful. I think it's hurtful. <laughs> and the guy that would never do that to us in a million years, deep under Los Angeles, if he won the Powerball, I bet he'd double down and make a double size bunker so we could all live there. Len Penzo's here. How are you? Uh, you know what? I'm here with four of my favorite friends, and uh, so I can't be much better than that. I have won the lottery already. Oh, that is so nice of you. Now, Suck are up. you a <laughs> you, were <compared laughs> you were compared to Chip Gaines earlier? Are you a big uh, Chip and Joanne Gaines fan? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I, I kind of like. Uh, yeah, I think they're uh, pretty entertaining. Actually, yeah, fix up the house. 
fix up the air conditioner this week in Texas. 107 degrees on Wednesday uh, here in Dallas, where OG lives. What's it going to be on Wednesday? Hot. Hot-ish. <laughs> Same. Where do we go from there? Speaking you know, of hot. There you go. It's the woman. Nailed it. <laughs> wow. It's the woman behind the hot show afford anything. How about that? Got out of that one. It's Paula Pant here. Well, hello. Yes, I'm here. I have a giant box of goldfish crackers that's uh, 1.87 pounds, which is also what you gain if you eat the whole thing. <laughs> so- Today you are, uh, we can see you on my dad shortwave radio with a bike strategically mm-hmm. placed behind you so that behind my head, the bike gets uh, have handlebars on your head. I was going to say, you got to move those handlebars. They look like antlers. I know, right? I know. <laughs> it's a modern Rudolph story. <laughs> it is. That's another episode of the podcast. Well, uh, we've got a great show today, guys. We are going to talk about the Powerball. And the reason for that is actually this, this headline from CNN or just about anywhere, a loan winning ticket for the record $2.04 billion Powerball lottery jackpot sold in uh, Altadena. Is that how you pronounce it, Len? Altadena? Dina? I pronounce Altadena? it Altadena. I think Altadena? most people pronounce it Altadena. Yes. California lottery officials said a couple weeks ago, making the lucky ticket holder the winner of the largest lottery prize ever. Tickets sold at a Joe's service center, not this Joe. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> results posted to Powerball.com anybody. <laughs> similarly said there was one winner who matched all six numbers of California odds, which of course a cool one in uh, 292.2 million, according to the multi-state lottery association. We're going to talk about that. What do you do? Not just if you win the Powerball, but there's inheritance. If you, if you all of a sudden, for whatever reason, have sudden money, we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, Len, you know, a lot of people talking about that song at the end of uh, last week's episode, my friend. Well, I, I hope it's all good. I hope it's, if it's bad, I don't want to hear about it, Joe. The number so of people, it's... though, that didn't know it was the Relics, your band, was surprising to me. Well. <laughs> They're they like, who is that? I said, uh, well, that's Len Pencil's band. They're like, no way. No way. Well, it's because I don't, thank God I, I'm not the singer. So, I, you know, we had a competent singer, so. That helped. You can hear you in the background, though. You're a background vocalist. A little bit, yeah. Yes. Way down, but yes. Everybody listen closely and hear if you can hear Len's background vocals in, in this. Pay attention. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I don't think we heard background vocals in that one, Len. Were you not in that? <laughs> Different track. Oh. I think you need track four, Joe. Track I'm four sorry. On, okay. the, on this CD. Uh, pay attention to this one. I think Len might be background in this one. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. 
Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. It turns out you weren't in that one either, Len. Damn it. We got Len Penzo here. Probably a good thing. (laughs) Paula Pant, OG, Doug. So let's get moving. start off this conversation because it seems like Paula Pant, whenever people win the Powerball, all we hear about is pain later on. So uh, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Why so much pain around something that should be such a great time? So I think there are a few things going on. Number one, people often underestimate how big of a bite taxes will take out of the total. Number two, if people let it be known that they are winners, then friends, family, strangers, high school classmates, your neighbor's dog sitters, your your mom's uh, neighbor. Podcast announcers. Exactly. They will all be crawling out of the woodwork looking for uh, for money. So you've got taxes taking a bite of it. You've got grifters, first degree, second degree of separation grifters taking a bite of it. And then you've got also, you know, no real practice with how to handle it. Oftentimes, if you have to manage an increasing income, as in like over the span of your career, you get promotions, you get to practice year by year managing bigger and bigger sums. Whereas when you get a windfall, you get thrown in the deep end without a raft. I want to ask about the discussion of the money. Oh, gee, one thing Paula said was that, you know, if you tell anybody that you won this money, all of a sudden you got all kinds of people knocking at your door, right? And yet you'll also see people online lately talking about, we should talk about how much we make. We should talk more about how much we have. And yet, if I do talk about how much money I have, and it turns out that it's a fair amount, I got a bunch of leeches showing up. So is there some middle ground? Should we be talking about what we have? Well, I think from an income standpoint, it's perfectly fine to share that information, you know, in terms of making sure that the people around you and make sure that you're compensated uh, fairly for the work that you're doing relative to the other people that are in your industry or in your company or whatever. I think when it comes to something like the Powerball uh, or, or anything, I mean, even, you know, we say Powerball, but it could be something like an inheritance, It you know, any sort of sudden money. And Paula was talking about this. We don't have the, we generally don't have the experience to jump from managing our income stream of, you know, $100,000 a year to all of a sudden the uh, estate plan of grandma and grandpa, you know, we're the trustees and now we're in charge of 4 million or something. It's just like, there's a weird dynamic there about the increased responsibility and then also the zeros. Like there's, there is a little bit of a factor of like, I have so much money now, I will never possibly run out. And you hear that kind of in the parlance of, people who have won and the shows and the television programs and stuff like that, that they do with, you know, with people that have won the lottery, I've met a number of people who have won sizable amounts of money in different lotteries or casino winnings over the years. And they all say the same thing, which is I thought I had enough that I would never run out a uh, common theme. And they did. You look at the yeah. number of lottery winners that run out. It's yeah. astounding. It's, it's mind boggling because on the other side of it and, you know, kind of that whole, like, who do we tell or not tell? Because we're not on this side of it. You go, well, geez, if I had, 
insert dollar amount here, I would never run out, right? If I won a million dollar scratch off, I'd never run out. If I run $20 million, I'd never run out. And yet people do. And so then if you do tell people, they think you have so much money that you would never run out. So why can't you give me some, right? Like you have a $500 million from the lottery. Surely you could give me 500,000. And of course, it doesn't take very many of those checks to run out. You know, I've got this piece from the Kansas City Star. Speaking of people maybe doing the wrong thing with their lottery winnings, this is written by Caitlin Alanis. Stepdad wins big Powerball prize and gives his stepdaughter, quote, good and bad news. And I thought, oh, this might be interesting. Listen to this. An Arkansas man recently won $200,000 playing the Powerball, but instead of claiming the prize, he fulfilled what was once just a joke between him and his stepdaughter. When he won, by the way, he won a $50,000 prize, but because he also matched the Powerball, they multiplied by four, giving him the $200,000. After realizing he won, the man surprised his stepdaughter at her home. According to the release, he told her that he quote had something important to tell her. He stated good news and bad news. Crystal, the stepdaughter said when claiming her prize, he gave me the bad news first. I must start paying my own phone bill. The good news is I have money to pay it with, and then he gave me the lottery ticket. Chris L. of Greenbrier, Arkansas, recently claimed the winning. She said she plans to, and this is, Len, where I want to go to you. This is what she plans to do with her $200,000. She plans to use the money to improve her home and take a family vacation. So she's going to do $180,000 maybe, $190,000 maybe, of upgrades to her house, and then... $10,000 maybe, let's say, on a huge expensive vacation. Absolutely none of this money gets invested. YOLO. Like she just won $200,000, which could be completely life-changing. She's investing it in her house. Well, she she is. Yeah, a little bit. But Len, it's funny. We were talking about this at our creative meeting as we were scoping out this episode. And Lisa Curry, our brand new writer, said, she's like, you know what the funny thing is? People do what they think rich people would do. Rich people would fix up their house. Rich people would take a vacation with it. They don't think, Len, enough about becoming rich. They're too busy thinking, well, 200000 I already am rich. Gold-plated Lamborghinis. <laughs> that's what rich people do. It's funny what people think about what rich people will do, because I think that's the first misconception there at all. I think there's a lot of rich people out there that live way below their means. Maybe if they thought that way, they wouldn't be making such... I'll call it flippant or not very well thought out decisions. There are many, many wealthy people that live so far below their means that they end up retiring earlier than they, than most people because they live below their means. So, you know, maybe she, her house was in bad shape and she really did need to upgrade it. And that's the case, you know, hey, you know, more power to her. But you're right. I think it's the mindset is the first thing is don't think that all rich people spend money like, crazy because they don't. You know, I told my kids and I made it a point of my kids that we live way below our means when as they were growing up and to this day I still live way below my means. You know, as you get older that benefits you a lot. You you get to reap the benefits later on. So that delayed gratification is very helpful. You know, I can see when you win a huge amount of money, like, you know, a billion dollars or something, it really doesn't matter what you're spending it on. I don't think you can possibly spend that much money in your lifetime reasonably. But yes, you can. It almost feels like, Len, you can be sloppier with a billion, though, than you could be with 200000 Well, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think you, well, slop, I guess that's how you look at it. I, I think there's a lot more room for, I mean, you, you have to make a lot more mistakes to, to spend a billion dollars 
than I mean, a billion dollars. Think about that is a thousand million dollars. I mean, it it really is hard to spend a you know a billion dollars. Wasn't it the recent lottery winner was what two billion? This record two billion dollars. Two billion. billion. Figure it's a billion after taxes. I mean, I challenge. I know OG just said there's the present value of that first, so it's not really you don't get two billion. You get the present value, then you get taxes. But even so, that's the point is that everybody says there's no way to spend that. Well, but people are successful in doing it. I think at lower levels, it's absolutely it happens all the time. You know, tens, twenties, thirties, even maybe a hundred million. But honestly, OG, I mean, a billion dollars. I mean, how are you going to? How do you blow a billion dollars? I think by buying a handful of businesses, buying a handful of businesses that go bad. That's how you blow a billion. By Twitter. <laughs> that's that's gonna you're gonna blow forty four billion on that. Yeah. Well, when I say blow, I mean spend frivolous. At least when you're buying a business, at least you're attempting to reinvest that money. But I'm talking about just frivolently spending on vacations and trips and cars and and goodies like that. That's what I'm talking about. Islands. Yeah. I mean, I I would argue that buying a business that you haven't really thought out that well or analyzed that well, and you haven't really done your due diligence and you're kind of just buying it impulsively is kind of frivolous spending. Like the number of people, Paula, that open up a restaurant every year, the most started business in America, a restaurant, and generally also the least researched and the mm. business type with the highest failure rate is uh, yeah. I have, a, I have a relative that actually did that. They started up a business. They had no experience whatsoever, and they were out of business within uh, 18 months. And uh, they got their dad to put a lot of money into it. Mm. And uh, it went belly up in 18 months. What was the biggest problem with that, Len? They didn't know what the heck they were doing. I, they had no, you know, they just figured, oh, well, you know, we make great food. We, you know, she, my wife's a great home cook and we'll just translate that right over to a restaurant. They did no re- market research. They did no, they had no business plan of any sort and they just jumped in and figured it's easy and they did no research and no background information. Before you knew it, they were so far over their heads. It was quite sad actually. I've told friends, I have a friend who uh, keeps talking about opening a restaurant and I've, I've told him do two things. Number one, spend a year or two working at a restaurant Right, spend a couple of years working every position that you possibly can at a restaurant. Number two, when you do decide to go open something of your own, start with a food truck or a food cart. Right, start by by opening one of those because that's going to be a a much smaller capital investment, and then run your own food truck for a year and then scale up. Number three is watch the bear. The bear. You will run away screaming from the restaurant industry. The new show, The Bear, on Hulu. Yeah, that's won yeah. all kinds of awards, and uh, it gets really intense, mm-hmm. and they're constantly on the verge of failure <laughs> all the way. And killing each other. <laughs> right. Yeah, not having any fun on top of that. Let's dive into, guys, uh, the first thing you do. You get this sudden money. Uh, Len, let's stick with you. Very first thing, your first piece of advice, big macro advice. You just found out that you won the Powerball. What do you do first? I would go to a financial advisor. Honest to goodness, I, I, because honestly, there's so many alternatives for doing that. You would just go to an expert who has, who can give you ideas for ways of investing that money that you may not have thought of. And they could also stop you from doing dumb things like we were just talking about, like investing in a poor business or going off and doing things. I think, you know, they could show you how to invest that money and make it, make sure it lasts and make sure you don't do anything stupid. I want to take that note just a, a little bit further. OG. I would think, well, I like what Len's saying, go to a professional. I think you really got to hunt for the professional because I feel like a billion dollar Powerball winner is over a lot of financial advisors' heads. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't even know that hiring an advisor is the first thing. I mean, probably something in the legal profession would be my first step. Well, would a good advisor take them there though? Would a good advisor go, okay, we're, we're getting an attorney in here? Well, one would hope, but back to the whole, like, there's a, <laughs> there's a thousand ways to spend a million dollars using uh, lens lens math on a thousand millions. I don't want to start with that, right? I don't want to start with, well, how do I invest this? That's not even the first, that's not even like the 10th thing to think about. I don't think right away. Lawyers are going to be tied to you from the standpoint of confidentiality. Now, advisors can do it too, but they're not held to that standard from a legal standpoint, right? I mean, there's nothing to prevent, you know, the guy at Merrill from telling all of his buddies like, hey, I just got this guy that just showed up at my office with a billion dollar lottery ticket, you know, whereas a lawyer would lose their career over that, right? Instantaneously. So yeah, I would kind of go legal. Prof- I mean, shouldn't you sign the ticket first? Isn't that really the first thing to do? I don't know. Is that what they say to sign the ticket? But any sort of money thing, right? When you're talking about like inheritance or something like that, legal opinion initially. Paula, your thought about big macro advice to begin with? You know, I like Koji's advice about going to a lawyer first. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, the first question is, how do I protect this? What are my unknown unknowns? right? What what are any unknown threats that I am not seeing? I think that's very good advice. The Where my brain was at was, what would I do? I would do three things. I would buy a nice apartment in New York for myself. I would pay cash. I'd pay cash for all of this. I'd pay cash for a handful of apartment complexes, and I'd open a cat shelter. Those would be my first three things. <laughs> but you got to get the money first. And I think you know, <laughs> some really important question right away is, how much do I owe in taxes? And like, how do I claim this in a way that's confidential, if possible? Some states don't allow you to do, I mean, if you have, you know, using the Powerball example. Well, how about where do you put the money? I mean, you can't just put a billion dollars yeah. in one bank account, right? You got to you gotta spread it out, m- multiple accounts, and you got to protect it from different bank failures and stuff like that, too. Looking so at you, First Republic. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. I mean, and I know typically they talk about if you go see a lawyer first, they'll help before you sign the ticket, they'll help you put some structures in place to receive that money so that when it gets received, it can stay as anonymous as possible. It can stay protected. For instance, some trusts. Yeah. Am, I, am I on the right path here? Uh, OG or, or Paula or Len. I mean, I think they, you want to set up those structures first and it could take you two, three, four months to do that before you then go and sign the lottery ticket so that everything's in place before you get the money and receive it. I think the reason I, even in the ballpark, I think the reason OG says to sign it first is to make sure it's yours period, like sign it. So somebody else, somehow that doesn't slip out of your hand and somebody else signs the ticket, like sign the Mm, ticket immediately. Mrs. OG. Yeah, all of a sudden, right. all of a sudden, I've got three kids and no house and no money. <laughs> Somebody's on vacation a whole bunch. <laughs> Claims it is hers and OG is shut out. Shut out. First person you see, divorce attorney. <laughs> Ouch. But that does depend on the Stez lottery because lotteries are onto that. And the way they make money is having you with a big check in front of you. That's how they get more yeah. people to play. Yeah. There's that, there's the impact associated with the, you know, the tax liability, the confidentiality, and then also the timing associated with it, right? I mean, like there's there's some expiration, Doug, like you were saying, it may take some time to kind of put all these things together. Well, you know, when do I have to make this decision in terms of showing up at the office and getting the big check? You know, another big decision that a lot of people, I, I mean, I think most people say, oh, I'll just, they think they know the answer, but do you take the lump sum or do you take the the 20 Ooh. paid out over 20 years? I mean, uh, that depends. If, uh, like if I'm a frivolous spender and I can't control, you know, I, I wouldn't take the lump sum. That's for sure. Let's talk about that. You wouldn't take the lump sum. You would not. 
if I was a free spender and I had trouble controlling myself, I would not take the lump sum. Nope. I would, uh, at least it would control my spending a bit by, you know, spreading it out over the 20 years. So. <laughs> like go to JG Wentworth and get all my cash now. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, AG Wentworth, if you want to be. <laughs> it's my money and I want if, it now. If you want to sponsor the show, AG Wentworth. <laughs> 877 cash now 877 cash now they got all the like orchestra singers she has We've no clue it. paula doesn't know what we're talking about you know who jg wentworth is Come is it jg on. i thought it's cash AG. Is it ag wentworth got JG. no idea J. jg 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 Wentworth. i've heard of woolworth yeah wentworth different <laughs> person um uh, i read that the last person to take the stream of income from the powerball was like 2012 or something so not not really. Wow. Yeah. Really? See, that's what I'm saying. It seems like most people now, what they just want, give me yeah. the lump sum. Give me the cash. Give me the yeah. cash. Well, I think part of it also depends on your age. I mean, if I was, you know, at 40, I would probably take incremental payments. If I was 70, t- I'd take the lump Get sum. Get all that billion dollars now. I have a billion dollar party yeah. today. Uh-huh. Actually, it wouldn't even be close to a billion dollars, would it? Yeah. It'd be 400, $500 million, maybe. Minus taxes. 350. Poppers. You can't live on that, but it's a good start. Yeah. You have to buy a turbo prop. So Paula's telling me to take the lump sum, right, Paula? Paula, is that the way you think about it? Is that the way you think uh, about it? Uh, younger, take the lump sum, or excuse me, older, take the lump sum, younger, take the annuity? Yeah, I, I think generally taking the uh, annuitized payments is better because you end up with a, a larger amount of money at the end. Um, if you take the lump sum, there's a, a pretty significant haircut. And I think the one exception to that is if you are – uh, advanced in age enough that you don't think that you think there's a good chance that you might not live uh, long enough to see the end of those uh, annuitized payments, then take the lump sum. OG, where do you come down on lump sum versus payments? Well, it's really relevant around interest rates. I mean, ultimately, that's kind of the deciding factor is what sort of rate of return am I getting from from the lottery company? We should also recognize the risk associated with the 30-year stream of income, which is you're hoping that the state stays in business for that long or the lottery stays in business that long to keep on paying you all of the money that they owe you. But really, it just boils down to what kind of interest are they giving me versus what kind of interest can I get on my own? And then dovetailing that a little bit into, Len, what you were talking about in terms of, you know, can I trust myself or can I surround myself with enough guardrails to make sure that, you know, I'm not going to do really really silly things. There's a really great video uh, with Shaq talking about how he hired his first and now only financial planner investment person. So I met with with a whole bunch of guys and uh, a lot of guys were coming in and I can remember old timer saying, if it's too good to be true, don't do it. So a lot of guys came in, yeah, uh, they say you're going to get 40 million on your first contract. You give me the 40 million, I can turn it into 200 million. By the time you're 23, I was like, I don't like this guy. Another guy say the same thing. And then I met one little small, beautiful Jewish man who says, I'm in the savings bonds. You know, we're gonna put your money and you know, we're gonna start a subchapter S corporation from your family. So, you know, all the stuff that you're doing, you can write it off. I was like, you know what? Shalom, Barak Hashem. I'm going with you, sir. There's there's yeah. Shaq talking about it, right? Like everybody's doing the no, 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 give me the cash and I'll, you know, I'll double it. I'll triple it. And and it's like, if it's probably too good to be true, it probably is. You know, that's good for your 401k rollover when you retire. It's not just the advice that you're going to use when you, when you, you know, you hit the casino or get the super trifecta in the Kentucky Derby. 
During the second half of this discussion, I want to go into exactly investing the money. I want to find out exactly how many, uh, uh, what are they, cat cafes, Paula, that you were going to create? Oh, yeah, cat cafe. (laughs) You know, I'll do a puppy cafe, too. I'll do them both. Equal opportunity for cats. Exactly, exactly. Cats, dogs. Yeah. Paula will have it raining cats and dogs. How will she have that? Len's going to get the band started again, get the band back together, probably, with his money. What will OG do? We'll find out, actually what some good investment ideas are, especially more around that $200,000 number than the billion dollar number we were talking about. But before that, at the halfway point of every podcast, we have a head-to-head competition by these three frequent contributors to the Stacky Benjamin Show, where they're fighting for the most worthless trophy in sports. This is from a dollar store uh, in Montana. OG, got your hand up? It's right there. Right oh, I didn't know. You, I thought you wanted to say something. It's the trophy. Oh, pointing at the trophy. The trophy. It's so yes. tiny. You can't even see it. Right if you're watching there. us on YouTube, you'll see the trophy right there. I had no idea what the hell you were doing. I'm like, yes, you can talk. OG, yes. The score at this juncture, the world is upside down. Len Penzo's in first place. That's not upside down because I think the first two years we did this, Len, you were our champion. Yes. OG, the champion the last two years has uh, seven points. Len has 11. OG has seven. But the miracle on ice right now is that Paula Pant has nine midway between the two. How the heck Paula's <laughs> not in last as we move into August is beyond, I have no idea how this is happening. Time's running Paula, out. How is this happening? What the hell's going on? I know there's a, a rip in the space-time continuum. T- turns out aliens are real. <laughs> Hold on. How many... We need our stats people back in the truck out in the parking lot to do some research to find out how many has she won? How many trivia individual trivia questions has she won since she's been mm-hmm. back as opposed to <laughs> all the people that sat in for her? I think I might have won one. One or two. It's one or two. Paula's like, back off. I've won at least one myself. Hey, de- yeah. delegation is a skill. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> well, you gotta, we got to see, Paula, if you can do it on your own this week. Some heavy lifting because Doug's got a, a great trivia question today. What are we doing, Doug? Well, Joe, I think I've got a great question for everybody. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and let's pop the cork on today's trivia question because on today's date in history, Champagne was born. See what I did there? Pop the cork, champagne. Is this thing on? <laughs> okay. Way back in 1697, a monk I knew named- that. Thought that was going to be the trivia question. No, 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 no. There's so much more. Way back in 1697, a monk named Dom Perignon, and I have it on good authority, that's the way he pronounced it, he accidentally created a whole type of drink while trying to make still wine. He added some cork to his bottle, hoping it would help, and instead, well, he got a little bit of fizz. The same thing happened to me back at age 12 when I added Pop Rocks to Dr. Pepper, so I know how it feels, old Dommy. Well, as you know, Dom Paraganon became a really big deal with influencers at their bottle service tables, but seriously, that drink is way too highbrow for this show, so I thought we'd lower the bar just a smidge, you know, like to the basement level. How about this more stacker-friendly trivia question? The Champagne of Beers, a.k.a. Miller High Life, ah, that's more like it, isn't it, has been a big beer in bowling alleys, high schoolers' basements, and dive bars for a long, long time. 
But as long as Dom Perignon? Well, let's see. Here's the question for our panel. What year was Miller High Life first sold? I'll be back with an answer right after I put on a tie and cummerbund that'll match my bowling shoes. All right there, everybody. Uh, yeah, they might say Dom Perignon a little more snooty than Dom did back in the day. So let's see uh, who has the best guess. But we're going to start off with Mr. Penzo guessing first. Miller High Life. Were you there for the original uh, bottle opening of uh, champagne a beer? No, um, that's a good question. Gosh, uh, Miller High Life. Uh, okay. Well, I think we can rule out the 1700s. So I'd say it's either in the 1800s or 1900s. Well, there you um, go. You've narrowed it to 200 years. Yeah, I've narrowed <laughs> it down. Uh, you know what? Because uh, I really Watch don't- Watch and learn, people. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm going to say- <sighs> I'm going to say 1875. 1875. Paula, what do you think about that year? I'm going to guess a bit later. Uh, let's see. 1975? Uh, not quite that late. Let's go with 1925. 1925. OG, oh, you got 1875, you got 1925. What are you thinking? I feel like there's some clarifying questions. Are we just, are, are we literally just going Miller oh High Life? Miller High Life. Or, or period. the Miller Coors brand? Miller High Life. I feel like the Coors brand has been around since the 1800s. I think that's... I think it lends on to something about that, but Miller Miller merged with Coors. See, so I think it's later. Just you know, on the there's branding. a Miller Brewery right down the street from me, actually in in uh, Irwindale, California. Next time you're there, Lynn. Next time I'm over, we got to do a taste test. I know. Should have asked him. We should go over. You know what? I, I have not visited that brewery. Go try it out. I'm just going to take the over. 19 and 26. 1926. Grandma's, grandma, when grandma was born. No, grandma was born 1923. Forget that. 1926. Somebody was born in 1926. Somebody's grandpa. <laughs> I'm taking that grandpa. 1926. Taking somebody's something, something for 26. Somebody's great aunt. 26 or later. We got eight, no clue. 1875. We got 1925. We got 1926. Who is right? We're going to let you know in just a minute. Hold on, because... Before we come back, everybody lean in because Len Penzo might be background vocals on this right here. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together we can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, 
you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Well, you know, when I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Foiled again, Len. Foiled again. Another smart company. You guessed first. You got 1875 and uh, both Paula and OG significantly later. How are you feeling? I, I really have no idea. But I, you know what? Hey, if Miller started in the 1800s, I think I pretty much got all those years covered, right, Doug? I, I think you've got up till 1900 because, Paula, you've got okay. 1925. So you got you still got 1900 to 1925. Yeah. You know, as soon as I gave my answer, I then realized that I didn't factor in prohibition and uh, probably wasn't a whole lot oh, going on yeah. <laughs> during that era. Mm. So uh, <laughs> probably probably not announcing to the when feds. When did that ever slow down somebody um, creating an alcoholic drink? <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, OG, you were the one that played the uh, womp, womp, womp there. But dude, 1926 is still. (laughs) (laughs) I think you got to give yourself another little jump job. There you go. 25 and 26 might not have been exactly the year, but were they closest? Doug? They might not have been been the year that they came out with a brand new beer. Could probably not have been. Most of of the biggest Scotch brands or the oldest Scotch distillers that are still making today all came about when it was illegal to distill spirits. So it could be your lucky day. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) I absolutely am telling you there's a chance because that's what spawns most of these isn't they see opportunity, right? right? Well, Doug, give it to yeah. us on Miller High Life. Oh, I'll give it to you, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm beer swigging and karaoke crooner. I'm much better after two beers, by the way. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Today, we take a highbrow date in history and bring it down to our level because that's what we do here in mom's basement. On this day in history, Dom... A monk in France accidentally created a trend where people try to impress dates by ordering a high-end champagne off the menu. After some careful market research, we changed it up a little bit, so today's question is about the champagne of beers. Miller High Life. Ah, like the great beer sommelier that I am, I can smell it today. Notes of hops, barley, and regret in the morning. What year was this concoction created? 
Miller High Life was introduced on New Year's Eve so that you could have your Miller Low Life hangover the next day on January 1st of 1904, which means Miller High Life first was sold December 31st, 1903, and that means that Paula is our winner. She was just off by 22 years. What the hell's going on? I just got done <laughs> saying how many has she won since she's been back, and then she spikes one in the end. What the hell is going on? Get ready for a new reality. <laughs> Imagine Paula Pant knowing something about alcohol. That is weird. <laughs> yeah, right. Congratulations, Paula. Well, You're now you. one away. Thank you. From challenging Mr. Penzo. Thank you. Thank you. Take a bow. Taking a bow. Absolutely. I'm, I'll, uh, I'll have my speechwriters prepare my acceptance speech for oh, the big trophy. You're, you're going to jinx it. You're going <laughs> to jinx it. <laughs> I will be updating my CV. OG's going to need a big fourth quarter comeback here before long, man. <laughs> I might be out of it. I mean, you were talking about the the stats people, Doug. I wonder what the where, where is the point of no return for OG at this point. Well, you're down by so now Paula has ten, Len has eleven, and you have seven, and it's August fourth. You're only four down, yeah. man. I mean, you I got know. a lot of time left. There's a lot. Don't of encourage ball game him, left, Doug. OG. Don't encourage him. You're supposed <laughs> to be beating him down further. <laughs> Let's move on to the second half of the show. (laughs) You can tell how much we love each other here. Uh, (laughs) Second half of the show brought to you by DepositAccounts.com. You know what kind of hammer Deposit Accounts brings to this, Len Penzo? I don't know. Why don't you uh, listen to uh, some background music here and see if I'm see if you can find <laughs> me right. on there. You might be able to find Len uh, here in the background. Or cowbell. <laughs> DepositAccounts.com. As we're recording this, savings accounts, listen, the national average on a savings account, 0.42. But deposit accounts shows us where they list all the savings accounts head to head. Top 1% average, 4.55%. Big difference between the top 1% and the national average. How about CDs? Top 1%, one-year CD, 5.49%, national average only 3.61%, and money markets, top 1% gets you 4.4% APY, national average only 0.72%. Go to depositaccounts.com. You'll find where you can compare more than 275,000 deposit rates from over 11,000 banks and credit unions and do it for free at depositaccounts.com. All right, let's talk about depositing a big check into your bank account. Let's talk about actually investing this money. Paula, let's start with you again. If you're investing this money, where's your head at around investing investing a, uh, a windfall? The amount is so big that the number of tax-advantaged accounts that you can max out is going to be proportionately negligible. I mean, obviously you would do it anyway. So yeah, max out your solo 401k and your HSA. Have fun. (laughs) And Um, now you've got a billion left. What do you do with that? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But uh, after that, there would be a a chunk of it that I would put in a taxable brokerage account invested in some index funds. I'd probably work with a financial advisor to figure out the exact asset allocation that I'd want to be going for. I would, as I said earlier, I would buy a bunch of apartment complexes in cash. You buy apartment uh, I, complexes. Well, buy apartment complexes. I have experience with residential real estate. I do not have experience with commercial. I think commercial is probably a great option, but as of now, I don't have enough. Uh, I don't yet have the knowledge of you know buying a, a shopping mall, for example, or a, even a mobile home park um, to be able to comfortably and knowledgeably go into that arena. 
That might be something that I learn in the future, but immediately I would stick with what I know and just do what I know on a larger scale. And because what I know is residential real estate, apartment complexes are residential real estate on a larger scale. I mean, technically there's own commercial, but it's not the same thing as, you know, having triple net leases with brick and mortar retail. But why the apartment complex? Because there's two different ways to make money. I mean, there mm-hmm. is uh, is increasing your capital gain, right? You think that those are going to appreciate in value. Or mm-hmm. the second is to create an income stream. Which are you doing? Are you trying to do both? I, I'd be creating an income stream with the apartment complexes. Okay. Len, what would you do? You win the billion dollars. Oh, okay. So we're talking about a billion, not 200000 right? A billion yeah. dollars, yeah. which I guess we are because- Paul is buying apartment complexes. I think that might buy her a quarter of a bathroom right. for 200000 right. If I had a billion, well, I think the first thing I would do is I would do the easiest, the two easiest things right off the top. I would probably, I mean, that's a lot of money. So let's say you get a billion, you probably get $500 million back. I mean, the easiest, surest way of an income stream is to put some portion of that, even if you put, let's say, $10 million of that into some treasury bonds, even at 3%, what's 10 million? What's 3% of $10 million? Is that $300,000 a year? I mean, just right off the top. So you're guaranteeing yourself relatively risk-free money, $300,000 of income every year. That's just 10 million of your 1 billion, which is 1% of your... So I mean, see how easy it is just to get the get that income stream going? Now you have the other $990 million um, I'd probably put, uh, in America, I would put uh, maybe another small chunk, as you know, I would put into some precious metals just as wealth insurance, a very small percentage of that. And then the rest, I guess I would just invest in the stock market, uh, you know, index funds, like Paula said, is an easy way to do it, easy way to go where, you know, you don't have to overthink it. And then I guess I'd have to do more research, but obviously some sort of business if you could. I mean, you, the, the goal here is to make your money work for you. And why not invest in some, you know, some businesses um, after doing your due diligence? So, I mean, that's – but I think the main point is just even a small proportion of that, you can throw off so much income, ridiculous amount of, of side income just with treasury bonds, even at 3% for a billion dollars. So I, I'd invest in stacking Benjamins. Oh, thank you very much. There you go. <laughs> That's great. We can promise, uh, well, a return. <laughs> a return to insanity. <laughs> I was going to say a return to reality, but <laughs> we just go, whoa, you need to, you need uh, a, apparently a champagne of beers or something to get you through that thought process. Oh, gee, uh, how about you? What's the first thing you'd do if you won the billion? What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. Office space. <laughs> That's it? You, you had a million dollars, you, you'd do two chicks at the same time? Damn straight. Always wanted to do that, man. And I think if I were a millionaire, I could hook that up, too, because chicks <laughs> dig dudes with money. Well, not all chicks. Well, the type of chicks that double up on a dude like me do. <laughs> Good point. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do 
I mean, besides, besides is, that, is that what you do? Sit on my butt and do nothing. Yes. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, here's an interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people think about, but comes across our desk from time to time only because we do things in volume for lots of people. If you're going to go and buy the S and P 500 yesterday, I just looked yesterday, they only traded a little over a billion dollars of volume for the IVV. So if you show up on your brokerage account and you say, buy 500 million S and P 500, you are going to get a surprise of a very crappy price because there's not enough volume to support that amount of trading. So whether it's the stock or whether it's the, you know, you're going to buy stock or buy an index, you're going to have to spread that out over a period of time. Len, like you were talking about, park it in some treasuries or something for a little bit, um, just for no other reason than you'll be a market mover instantaneously. Can you explain that that for the, I'll say the common, not me. I mean, I totally get it. But but my furrowed brow suggests otherwise. but (laughs) But there's probably a couple of other people listening who don't understand why. If you were to throw half a billion dollars at the S&P, why that would not have the positive impact you hoped for, or why it would have any impact at all? Walk us through it. Well, this is probably easier to explain with smaller companies. There's there's a lot of uh, speculative stuff that happens in the penny stock market, right? Where, you know, on Reddit or, you know, just some newsletter or something like that, it's like, oh, we can buy this really teeny tiny company and it goes from a penny a share to two pennies a share and you just made double your money. So just put 10,000 in there and you make 20,000. And that's all well and good. And that happens quite frequently. The problem happens when all of a sudden you start putting 20 and 30 and 40 and a hundred thousand dollars. And now you're the single person who's deciding the market. There's nobody else because bo- stocks are bought and sold in pairs. There's n- they're not creating new shares. Well, ETFs are a little different in that, but in, um, you know, a normal stock, Microsoft stock or whatever, there's a certain number of shares available period. And those shares trade hands on a, you know, or some of those shares trade hands on a daily basis and the, and technology and market makers match up buyers and sellers. And it usually happens instantaneously. So if you're going to go sell 100 shares of Microsoft, there's probably someone in the universe who's willing to sell 100 shares of Microsoft right now. But if you said, I want to buy 100 million shares of Microsoft right now, holy cow, now we got to start soliciting bids from people. And well, holy cow, what does this guy know? We're selling 100 million shares. Like, what's going on? Or buying 100 million shares. What's going on that we don't know? So, whoa, I don't want to sell mine unless I sell it at a better price because apparently something's going downrange that I don't know about. So there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that can happen. Now, that doesn't happen you know, with normal trading, but you just kind of have to be aware of the impact of that. I was talking to somebody one time who was an insider at a company. They were an executive at a company and had a number of shares. And, and I just kind of off the cuff said, why don't you just do covered calls on your shares, which is a way to generate income. Len, you were talking about income generation. And a call is an option strategy that allows you to generate income. And he said, well, I can't because I, it, it, to make it meaningful to me, I would have to have so many that I would you know, move the market. It would just be, you know, and it's something that we don't think about because we buy our ETFs in $100 a month increments or $1,000 a month increments or whatever that's largely unnoticed. So, you know, we talked about at the very beginning, finding an attorney and a tax person. Those are probably the biggest things. You know, the IRS waits for no man. <laughs> you know, like they are they are very particular about getting their money and the meter runs immediately. So those are the first two things I think I would want to have taken care of. Len, you brought up a really good point earlier, which I thought was another thing that is relevant for people who have 
hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, which is you can't just jump on depositaccounts.com and go, oh, I found a great 4% rate in my savings account. I'll dump $100 million in, you know, insert credit union here. Like, it's just not a smart idea from an insurance standpoint. And we've seen, you know, what happens when banks go go under. So, th- you know, those are the things that take such a long time to sort through. And, you know, Len, at the very beginning, you said this, which was, you know, a billion is a thousand millions, right? So, like, you can't possibly spend all that. And maybe that's true. Hopefully, it's true for anybody who as either a master might have asked or wins that kind of money. But then you also start thinking about the increments of that, you know, from the savings standpoint, right? FDIC insurance is good for 250K per account, per ownership. So you go, well, I've got me, my spouse, a joint account, my kids, my mom, my dad, me and my mom, me and my dad, you know, it's like, cool, you just burned up 3 million. Now there's 997 million left and and you've just hit all the banks in town. So now what? You know, so it's going to take a long time to deploy this capital in a meaningfully uh, reasonable situation. So it's not going to be a, this will be your, this would be your full-time job. Those are like excellent points. And there's one other thing that I, I want to add, which is, which I hadn't really thought about until OG, until I started listening to you talk about like the, the nuanced reality of having such a large amount of money. If I want a billion, probably one of the first things that I would want to make a plan for is security. And that is in in every form. Like there's cybersecurity, account hacking, identity protection, you know, there's all the the digital security side. Yeah. Then I would also need a personal security detail. Right. And the problem with that is how do you know if you can trust them because if they can be bought, they can be bought. Like if, if I can hire someone, somebody else could hire them for more, you know? So how do you even know if you can trust the people that you're hiring to protect you? Which is why you have to keep it to yourself and go to work tomorrow. Do you go to work yeah. tomorrow? Yeah. Sadly. Do you go to work tomorrow? Paula, do absolutely. you go to work tomorrow? Yeah, if you absolutely. Want a billion well, I, I would be investing a lot of that into Afford Anything, like building Afford Anything really big, hiring a, a much bigger staff. Building out a big studio Ooh, space. I see my skills on the marketplace. <laughs> yeah, Len, would you go to work tomorrow? Uh, working for the man, I would yeah. quit work. But if I was working for myself, my own business, um, you know, like Paul or OG has or, or Doug or whoever. Would you plow any of it into LenPenzo.com? Yeah. Oh, you bet. If I was my own business or, uh, yeah, I would not quit. No, I would not quit. I think that's the death of anyone if they just quit everything. That's That's the biggest mistake I think anybody can make. But if I were working for the man, yeah, I would quit. Can't be a quitter. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird attention grabber. That's why you don't say anything, because they're going to say things like, uh, you know, we've got the person on video from you know, buying the ticket at 7-Eleven in, you know, insert town here. And all of a sudden you don't show up to work and they're like, wait, there's a bald guy with a goatee. That looks a lot like my boss, Len. Did he win the power? Oh, he didn't stop. He stopped going to work today. What's going on? But you know what? Just, just quit. You know, just a, about a mile and a quarter from me down the hill was a 7-Eleven that actually did sell a $1.5 billion Powerball winner two years ago. Uh, nice. So yeah, like a mile and a quarter from me, actually, there was a winner here. And let's see, Len kept coming to work. He did retire. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. He did. A little more construction going on in the, than usual. Suspicious. Construction going on in the bunker. Are you kidding with what Joe's paying us? Are you kidding? I'm not going to quit this job. <laughs> <laughs> the cheery gig that you've got. All those Omaha steaks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those were fabulous, by the way. Thank you for that, Joe. One and of the OG. things that we haven't covered, at least in some amount of detail, is, and we, we touched on it maybe an hour ago or something, was um, that if you take the lump sum 
you get half, roughly half of what is advertised. And then the taxes come out of that. So generally, as a rule of thumb, if you see a billion dollar lotto, just take 25% of it. That's roughly your take home, give or take 10, 15 million. That's roughly your take home when you're done with all of that. <laughs> so it's easy when you're like, oh, crap, I'll still get 250 million out of the billion. I'm still in good shape. Sure. But if you change the starting number to a million, People think if I won a million dollar lottery, I'm out of here. It's $250,000 is what you're going to walk away with and be able to do investing and that sort of thing. That changes your trajectory considerably. And we're talking about $2 billion here, which means it's a billion, which means right. it's $500 saying, million. Dollars. Yeah, and, and these happen. I mean, the billion dollar lotteries, yeah. ha lotteries happen occasionally, but more commonly, I mean, it happens to me like every couple of years, you win the million dollar in a scratch off, right? And then you take the lump sum and now you're just dealing with the paltry 250. Oh, gee, does this change the game for products like life insurance? You know, where everybody says, don't buy life insurance policy and invest in it. Does this make a life insurance policy look more attractive because of the tax-free nature inside of something like that? Probably not. Only from the same standpoint, like we were mentioning earlier. And this, and I think, I think you know, we're talking about this from the what happens if you win a whole bunch of money. But this, again, this can also be part of this transition that's going to happen over the next thirty or forty years of all of this baby boomer money being transferred to Gen Xers, which is whatever seven trillion dollars or something like that that I read in the Wall Street Journal. There's probably not enough to make a, a big enough difference, you know. And, and what I mean by that is. In order to make a meaningful dent in $500 million of your, you know, you're sitting in your brokerage account, right? And you go, well, I want some of that to be tax free. You know, you got to put hundreds of millions of dollars into an insurance policy. Well, guess what? You need to find an insurance company who's willing to take that deal. And there's not going to be very many. And so yeah. now we're back to the same thing of like, well, how do I get 250 into each one of the banks in town? It's like, well, you can do that all day long. And you've barely scratched the surface of, I just bought a whole bunch of $10 million policies, you know, to get some tax-free income out of the deal or tax-free growth out of the deal, which is great. But, you know, eventually those companies will cry uncle pretty quickly in order to make it a meaningful amount to you, if that makes sense. I want to end, I want to end with this. Uh, this is earlier in the discussion that Shaquille O'Neal had about his uh, financial advisor and how he blew his, his original, original money. And I want to ask you guys about this. Right before you get drafted, you get a million dollars for an endorsement deal. And I spend it in one day. How'd you do it? Well, you know, when you're young, you don't have a lot of business savvy. There's two words you forget about, FICA and sales tax. So I thought I was getting $1 million straight up, but you forget about those things. So really I got about maybe like 600,000. So I go and I go buy a $150,000 car. No negotiations. I don't know nothing about negotiations. Guy could have told me 200000 I would have bought it. So I go and I get a black Mercedes because that's what, that's what I always wanted. Black Mercedes and some nice wheels. Guy was like 150 Write the check. And I come home. My father's like, that's nice. Where's mine? I was like, you know what? You made me who I am. Jump in. So we ride. Told the guy, I want another one. Same one I got. So they go 300000 right there. So we get home and my mom was like, oh, that's nice. I don't want one that big, I want a little one. Because I know I got more money coming in. So I'm just like, oh, I just want to take care of this stuff now. So I go get my mom one. There's 500000 right there. So now I got to get suits for the draft. I got to get jewelry. I got to get earrings. You know, I got to buy I got to buy the Alpine pull-out deck. So when I go to the club, I got it with me. I got to get the alarm that calls the beeper and the phone. So 
couple of days later, I got a call from the bank, who, who was a family friend, the manager of the bank, and he called me and he said, uh, you know how to read bank statements? I was like, yeah, I, I learned it in school. So as I was reading it, I was 80000 in the hole. Paula, he bought a bunch of stuff. He went out and bought a bunch of stuff. Is there anything meaningful that you buy? You talked about investing it, right? Is there anything you would buy today if you won the, you won the lottery or somehow came across a big inheritance? I'd stop flying commercial. It is nice. Yeah, yeah I'd, be, I'd be done with that. Just flying private. That'd be my, From here on out. my splurge. Exactly. Len, how about you? I think I would buy myself a railroad. A, re- a real railroad or a, a real model Does railroad? Does it pair with the time machine? A real railroad. I think I'd buy the Burlington Northern Santa Fe. Yeah, you'd buy the whole thing? Yes. And just own the railroad. Well, there you go. And I'd ride the train. I'd be riding that thing all over the place. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun. You and Warren Buffett. Yeah, he's Union Pacific. Yeah, we'd be, uh, cha- we'd be going head to head. You guys go head to head. Very seriously, would you buy anything? Is there something serious you'd buy? Um, seriously, I, uh, gosh, you know what? I actually, I would probably buy a nice vacation home somewhere in Hawaii. I, I probably would. <laughs> that, that's something that would be really cool, but that's the only thing I can think of that I would buy, you know, me, you know, other than that, no, I really don't know what I would spend it on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gee, how about you? Definitely a faster airplane almost instantaneously and as much gas as it would hold. <laughs> there we go. Just to get as far away from us as possible. While the phone goes to do not disturb immediately. I think that's probably a good way to leave this. Let's find out what's happening where all of you people work. Uh, OG, big weekend this weekend. Now that we've made it to August, big first weekend in August. School starts. School is starting. So already a rising junior, a rising freshman and a rising second grader. Wow. Time is zipping by. We're going to do some college tours this fall. Going to go down south a little bit and check out some some schools in Austin and maybe one in College Station and maybe one in Fort Worth. So All we're right. Do that. That's kind of on the horizon. But um, West Lafayette. What's that? West Lafayette. Perdon? No, I'm go good. West Lafayette. No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, Doug, big plans in uh, northern Michigan this weekend? Uh, just golfing and fishing and uh, the beach and uh, probably some campfires. You know, nothing much. Just before it starts snowing any moment now. <laughs> Starting next week, now that winter is coming to Michigan. Mr. Penzo, what's going on at LenPenzo.com? Uh, well, we're getting ready for the, uh, we released the sandwich survey on Monday, so that's coming out. And uh, this week we have a overview of mortgage junk fees. I've uh, kind of put together a list of every possible mortgage junk fee that exists and, uh, you know, if you're ever wondering, gee, is this junk fee really legit or is it not? You know, you come on over and we talk about each one individually. Awesome. LenPenzo.com. We will also have Mr. Penzo here on the show on Wednesday of next week chatting about the sandwich uh, study. So after you read it, you can hear uh, the commentary. And I just saw the results and some very surprising numbers. Yes. Very surprising. Really, it it kind of threw me for a loop when I saw it. Yes. Yeah. Very surprising numbers. Can't wait to get to that. Paula Pant, what's going on over at Afford Anything? On the Afford Anything podcast, we have a we have a lot of great interviews coming out. We've got an interview with Dr. Marissa Franco about the importance of friendships in your adult life and how, particularly in the age of remote work, it can be more challenging to uh, to start to develop those friendships. So, here's how we manage our careers, our work. In that context, we've also got who else have we spoken with? Let's see, 
Uh, plenty of good people. <laughs> just once, Joe, just once, when you ask her this question, I want her to say, oh, we've got a great interview coming up with Earl the Hobo from the corner of 57th and Columbia. <laughs> I mean, it's never that. It's always, oh, it's the doctor of physiology from Stanford who, it's, it's never <laughs> a common person, Paula. Well, how do you get these people? <laughs> and all their voices sound suspiciously similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The show is just a, a giant ventriloquist act. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's on to you now. <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah, Brian Brian Kuderna. He's also a, a guest on the Afford Anything podcast. Um, he talks finance. We talk like deep, deep, rigorous finance. So yeah, all of that, Afford Anything podcast. He definitely goes more into the economic side, the macro side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Good stuff. And that's where, that's out of Afford Anything, where finer podcasts are distributed All right. That's going to do it for today. Doug, I think you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from our panel. How do you steward this money for a lifetime legacy? Tax shelters, your goals, and focusing on the future can help this money create some real wealth. Second, if you win the lottery, be sure to open a restaurant. It's a surefire way to multiply your money. But the big lesson... Hey, it it looks like y'all love my champagne of beers trivia. So Len, Paul, and OG, next time we're going to lean on your knowledge of all things pork rinds. Thanks to Paula Pant for hanging out with us today. You'll find her fabulous podcast, Afford Anything, wherever finer podcasts are found. Thanks to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com slash precious metals for life. Thanks also to OG for joining us today. Looking for good financial help? Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG for his calendar. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of The Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show.
Did you guys hear that uh, Pee Wee Herman died? Mm, I saw that on Instagram. Look at she's Paula. Do you even know who that is? Yeah, I used to watch Pee Wee Herman as a kid. Wow, yeah, you got you were let to watch that. <laughs> I know. It's one of the few. I watched Pee Wee Herman. I watched Mr. Rogers. Those are the same. Sesame Street. There's a a (laughs) duo. (laughs) You covered the whole spectrum there. Catholic priests. (laughs) (laughs) Were you the one who told me that like your parents had all this like libraries and libraries of VHS tapes of like PBS documentaries and that was all you were allowed to watch or something? Oh, it was uh, the 26 VHS series of the Hindu book of the Ramayan. And we also had. (laughs) That actually might be more entertaining than PBS nature shows. (laughs) Entirely in Hindi, which I neither speak nor really understand. (laughs) Even after watching the 24 VHS series or the 26 VHS series. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rewind that. Multiple times. Hold on, that's my favorite part. That's right. I missed the slow mo on this thing. VHS tapes. It's like when the encyclopedia would come via shopping points at the grocery store. If you shopped enough, you could get the, uh, the oh. encyclopedia. No, nobody else had the encyclopedia put you together. Know, I actually by. got my encyclopedia from from a traveling salesman. Oh yeah, walked yeah, up yeah. to our door one one day when I was a kid and and sold my folks a. Uh, Encyclopedia set. Yeah, one of yeah, those. We had that too. But then you had to get the updates. And do you know that uh, somebody on this panel right now has been published in the Encyclopedia Britannica? Really? <sighs> who would that be? OG? Guy? This guy. <laughs> For what? <laughs> Swear what? to God. Uh, under? 1991. For? 1991? That's the same year that Pee Wee Herman got really popular. <laughs> yeah. Were you guys in the clink together? Similar movie? <laughs> Similar movie theater? Fine. What was the topic? Make fun of it. <laughs> so every year, like Josh was talking about updates, every year Encyclopedia Britannica had, uh, they had a yearbook. So at the end of the year, yes. for the That's year right. prior, they would do like articles on all the big things that happened that year. And so in 1992, I wrote about magnetic resonance imaging, the uh, giant volcano that went, that exploded that year in 91 in Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines. And there was a third one. I did three pieces for him. I think I got paid like a thousand pounds for those three pieces. No byline. So I have no proof. So nobody believes that I did this because there's no byline in those things. But I did it. Hey, that's cool. Hey, so Paula, how many episodes were in that VHS series? (laughs) 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 I see what you did there. You're implying that that would be more exciting than the story I just told. Then. Magnetic. That was clever, Joe. Resonance imaging. Resonance imaging. That'll never come to anything. You know, I know. That device you've used to image all of your old person I problems. Don't know what the hell you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Joe doesn't work in abbreviations or in full full context. He only works in abbreviations. I should say. I don't think there's an after show here. We've been trying. I've been trying to give you something, Joe, but I don't think there's anything usable. I'm making shit up about the encyclopedia. You really weren't in the encyclopedia? <laughs> I really was in the encyclopedia. All right. God, I would love for a listener to be able to find, because I've actually looked on the internet for the, for the world book from that year and can't Speaking find of it. that, Len, we had a number of people ask us, what was that amazing song at the end of the episode? 
Was it any music attorneys that could actually turn something, make that in, into money for me? And, and by a number, he means one. One person asked us. Any producers? Any famous producers? Was it Taylor Swift? Well, I, actually had, I actually had one person also DM me on uh, Twitter, and I had two other people email me. Sam, what oh, is that? That's sound? nice. Wow. Oh, very nice. And the person on Facebook in the basement. Well, you know what? If they would like a CD, ask for their address, and uh, I'll send them off to 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 you or via you or I can send them off to them. You're assuming that they have CD players, Len. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how I would play a CD. Actually, a MP. I can send them the MP4 file. Then send them a time machine as well, Joe. So they no, can we'll send them a VHS <laughs> player and a 24 set of Paula's parents' favorite tapes. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I'm yeah. just going to put the darn thing on, on Apple iTunes. You should put it on Spotify. There's this cool thing called Spotify. You think? Put it on. Awesome. I don't know how to do that. I'd have <laughs> to look into that. Does this sound familiar, Doug? Mount Pinatubo on Luzon Island in the Philippines also erupted in June. Luzon. At least 700 people died in the eruption, and in the mudslides that followed, Mount Pinatubo <laughs> is fed by melting rock from the zone where the Eurasian plate is sliding beneath the Philippines, something or another. Dude, you know how to write thrilling copy. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it was what thirty three years ago or thirty two years ago. It could have been me. I don't know. I probably use a few more adjectives than that. But could Doug's be. asking everybody. Everybody knew. What's a synonym for erupted? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta hit my word count. <laughs> well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning. Because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.